magician. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. Still weird to say. Uh, with you as always, <laughs> Steve Haller. And joining me as always, Andy Pregler and Christian de Guzman. What's going on, guys? Um, not much. We're uh, taking a break so that Steve doesn't have a mental breakdown um, while the Bills game is going on. Yeah, anywhere or anyone not watching the uh, live stream, I'm decked out in Bills gear and staring at my right monitor because... Thankfully, we just went to halftime so I can pay attention to the podcast, but uh, the Bills are tied with the Chiefs at halftime, and I am a happy man. The I'm not going to lie, as a neutral in this space, I'm rooting for points. I like points. These are two yeah. really fun football teams, mm-hmm. and as it really pains me to say, but the Bills have really turned themselves into a fun football team. Like for, all, score points. <laughs> like for all the shit that we give Syracuse uh, for and like Syracuse fans that we constantly say like, oh, you know, being an actual New York sports fan is terrible. None of the New York teams are actually good. The Bills are the one that play in New York. They are actually very good. And there's a ton of evidence to show that this is not going to slow down anytime soon. So like there's a part of me that wants the Bills experiment to succeed because it validates a lot of what football is doing and trying to do now and that also validates like what we talk about in syracuse football like what they should be doing however steve the other half of me goes that there is not a there is not a folding table large enough to handle what would happen if the bills were to win the big game i'm pretty sure the entire eastern seaboard would just be like table flipped out of the actual continent and just sailing into the atlantic ocean there would be no Niagara River. It would just Lake Erie and Ontario would just turn into one at that point. Like whatever <laughs> whatever crater was created by people going through every table in Buffalo would just bypass the whole landmass and you know. I I will tell you what will happen is that uh, that will happen, and then if the Giants don't hire Brian Dowell to become their head coach, um, you will not see MetLife Stadium burn down faster. Um, <laughs> Basically, and this is a stadium that both the screw jobs that the or that are the Giants and the Jets play in. Mm-hmm. 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 The I mean, this has really been a uh, like all intent like for those that are not watching live and are listening or rewatching the next day. Uh, this has been a very entertaining game. Like, there's there's no way around that. Uh, I what I will say is that. Um, it does seem as though it's going to come down to the last possession. So if you have a rooting interest in this game, um, I, I'm just really quarter. sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you notice? You notice that of today, Andy? Right? I don't know. There's been a lot of stats that have happened that I don't know. So about. every single game this weekend has been decided by a game-winning field goal as time has expired by the away team. Oh, I don't know if Steve's hard Let's can handle go, that. Let's go, Buffalo. <laughs> hey, a win is a win. If my heart implodes and I'm laying on a cot somewhere tomorrow, that's fine. Survive in advance. <laughs> Survive and advance. You know who's not going to be doing that? The oh. Syracuse basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> This is what you tune in for, ladies and gentlemen. It only took us five minutes to get there. Yeah. I... 
I didn't really want to admit, I mean, you, you guys accidentally set that up on a platter for me. Um, for those that didn't know somehow, Syracuse played Duke in what is the biggest game of the Syracuse Orange schedule, what is the third or fourth biggest game on the Duke schedule. Is it even that at this point? I mean, th- all things considered, yes, if only in name. This year, absolutely not. Uh, the Orange lost by 20, uh, 79-59 to the Duke Blue Devils. And honestly, it should have been more. Yep. Uh, this is a game where... the. Orange played badly. Um, Duke didn't even play that well. They were just the better team by in every facet of the game. And I think the thing that we should probably talk about first, uh, Buddy Beheim and Joe Girard when they combined two from 19 from three. Uh, that's, I, that's good, right? <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? It's incredible. You're not going to win any basketball game when that happens. I, I, Christian, look. We, we've talked about everything that's wrong with this team. At the end of the day, if Buddy and Joe are going to come out and play like that, the Orange aren't going to win any games, period. And, and it wasn't necessarily all their fault. Yes, they both missed a couple of good looks. But once again, it's another team showing you a perfect blueprint of how to play Syracuse. It's um, basically leave a guard on, and Jay Bale has pointed this out. You leave your best guard, your best defender on Joe and Buddy, and you say... Don't help on anyone else. Don't slide to double anyone else on this team. Make the other guys on the team beat you before Joe and Buddy beat you. Because those guys are the ones that will beat you when you start helping off them to double. And unfortunately for Syracuse fans, uh, the Duke guards were glued to Buddy and Joe's hip uh, practically throughout the entire game, meaning that they couldn't get any rhythm at the beginning of the game. So by the time they got open shots towards the halfway point of the game, they just weren't falling because they weren't in any rhythm to hit any of those open shots. Right, and this is playing tight on two guards, including one who we know does not handle pressure well. And mm-hmm. even even half-court pressure or you know tight defense... Uh, Joe tends to get a little agita, and it seems like he he did. Um, it, it's it's weird to see because you uh, rewind this because we talk about the Duke game. There were two games that happened this week. Somehow, in the the time being a flat circle thing, uh, the Clemson win was also this week, where it yeah. looked like towards the end of that Clemson game, a couple things started to click and. You know, the, the Orange were, were looking decent, pulled away. One, I think, 90-something to 70-something. I'm really good was, at specific I, scores. Not, it was 91-78. Hey, I was close. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had the, the, you know, powers powers of 10 yeah. working. But, uh, you know, the, you started to see a couple, a couple things click into place there, and then the wheels just fall off against Duke. And, I mean, that is a talent gap between Clemson and Duke, but at the same time... Like, if Syracuse is going to be a, or have any modicum of success, they at least need to not look like a pile of hot garbage against Duke. And that seems to be the consensus of what we look like. Yeah, I think that there's a lot that we as a fan base recognize that Syracuse uh, was going to struggle with when it came to Duke. What I don't think we realized was that uh, Duke did not even play their best game of the year and still was the better team by a pretty wide margin. And 
man. I, I, I like I'm going to include myself in here. There was always this voice in the back of my head that said, well, a run in the ACC tournament could probably put Syracuse in a position because the ACC is not very good this year. There's at least as constructed and as playing right now, this team does not have what it takes to compete with a Duke in terms of uh, combating that that man pressure. It's just really apparent, like, again, this is the moment where I make the comment about how Steve has seen more basketball than I have, even because I was a fan starting in 2011. This is not a Steve is old comment, just an Andy did not follow basketball in the pre-2011 days. Uh, in other, yeah, I know. 12, 12 minutes what, in? What 11 minutes in. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I've never seen a Syracuse team that didn't have somebody that could take a team's best defender on one-on-one. I've never, I have never seen that. And I feel like even like 14, 15, maybe even then like scoop Jardine wouldn't necessarily win every game, but he was crafty and annoying to the point that he could win a one-on-one and you still had somebody like a CJ fair who was raw, but I, I again, maybe it's not a great one-to-one example, but I think that's, what's really missing on this team is somebody that you just give the ball to and say, eat your guy. One on one, no shooting, well, I'm, just I'm thinking about the, in front of them. I'm thinking about the 2014-15 year, my freshman year, when uh, it was Rack at the five, and then you had, and then you had Benajay, um at the three still, uh, with McCullough, and then Cooney and Caleb Joseph up front. That actually might be the closest comparison. But even then, we saw flashes from Benajay where he would like slide into the one by default. Yeah. Um, and and Bayheim had to begrudgingly make that move full yeah. time the next year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a weird year. Just just thinking about that year was that was funky. But hey, mm-hmm. but like, and I are. think that, and Steve, that's a perfect example. This year's team is not funky. This year's team is just bad. Right. I think that that's the difference that Syracuse fans are starting to make as a whole is that there's there's it's really hard to find a silver lining with this team because like like you said that team it was clear that the pieces didn't mix but the pieces could become something i don't necessarily think that there's that kind of upside with anybody on this year's team who's going to be sticking around right you saw that 14 15 team you saw you know even watching Benajay Cooney Roberson Joseph any of them uh you could tell that moving forward there was going to be an increase in talent or an incremental increase in talent. And yes, I know the Joseph thing. Uh, He was on the (laughs) list. But uh, (laughs) we'll go BJ Johnson because whether it was not in Syracuse, he did improve. um, Yes, he did. (laughs) Significantly. Uh, But um, like all of those guys, you would see them and you're like, yeah, he's raw, but there's something. And next year we'll look forward to something. And in my brain, watching this team, all I'm seeing for the future is more of what we're seeing right now, which is mildly worrying, to say the least. I think that that's 100% accurate, and I think that that's really where we are. Uh, we're having a moment uh, as you know, as a collective, as a fan base. I'm okay now. I'm going to officially say, Steve, you are older than Christian and I. You've seen a lot more Orange fandom. I can't remember a fan base this apathetic. Like it, it's it's moved beyond. Oh, this team is bad. I don't want to watch. It's just moved into. I don't. I don't even care if they pull off the upset. Like this. 
it's the the hope and the life has been really sucked out of this team and i know there's a lot of other things going on in the world right now that contribute to that i'm not going to say it's just because syracuse basketball is bad but it seems really ill-timed that syracuse is having its deepest valley as a program to coincide with what's going on in this moment in 2022 yeah it's uh, the, <laughs> there's there's so many different ways you can go with this, and yet none of them... It's... Okay, we're Doctor Strange looking at all 14 million possibilities right now, and there is one way out of this. We just don't know where the hell it is. <laughs> out, of the 14, out of the 44 million possible outcomes, there is one, and we are all... Uh, none of us are Tony Stark and know which way it is yet. No, I'm hoping at I the mean, end of this no, season, see- Bayheim looks at the camera and just points... <laughs> so that we know he gives gives the one to the camera so that we know we're in the right timeline but i'm, no, that, I'm not holding i'm not holding happens. my breath here this, this is the timeline he like during the middle of a game i'm not sure which game it is he looks at the camera holds up the one and then in the very next defensive position syracuse is in man oh god oh god <laughs> <laughs> oh that's Honestly. amazing that would surprise me more than the than what actually happened in Endgame. Like, I honestly think Syracuse coming out in man would be more surprising than the first time I saw Tony Stark get all of the Infinity Gems, uh, Infinity Stones on his on his gauntlet. I mean that uh, very seriously. It's so it's so sad, but true. It, it really is. Oh God, that's amazing. Wow, we've. I was going to say, it's taken which, us one week and we've already turned this into the I, Marvel because, podcast. Which reporter, because I know I don't have the balls to do this, which reporter will have the balls to at some point this year ask Bayheim, will he consider making a switch to man? James, if and only if he has decided to firmly entrench himself in Syracuse full time and he is uh, just going to become the new Mike Waters who's going to bug Bayheim for the rest of his career. Now, no, there are two eventualities there. It's that, or he's fed up with us, and he's quitting the site, and that's his parting (laughs) shot. (laughs) James, please never leave us. Please never leave us. Very true. Uh, But, yeah, this is... I really do, Christian, to your point, like, Bayheim's comments are also getting not unhinged. Um, That would be the wrong word. But this is the most um, unkempt I've seen Bayheim. Like, typically, when he's having, like, a tirade or he's going on, like, a, a, a moment or having one of his meltdowns, it's not really a meltdown as much of it is, like, I'm going to use this opportunity to make a point because I know how, I've done this long enough that I know how to move the media around. It really is starting to get to the point where he's just going up there and he's just, and, like, I think James has actually said this, maybe in our Slack, maybe on Twitter, um... It seems like Bayheim is just as miffed as the rest of us as to either the players are not translating what's happening in practice into game situations or the players are not improving in a way that he expected them to improve based off of, you know, his experience of coaching and seeing a player who looks like X turn into Y. It looks, it's like these players are just staying at X and they're not moving. They're, they're, they're not progressing at all. And I think um, what we've seen so far of Benny Williams, unfortunately, falls into that category. Like uh, Christian, I, I know that you've been on that on this train for a while, but in, even in the limited minutes that Benny's getting, he does not look like he knows what he's doing out on the floor, and that's really concerning for for a lot of different standpoints. 
I think he's getting it on defense at the very least. Like uh, on offense, that's a different story, which is the concerning thing about Benny, considering all the hype that he got at the at the uh, beginning of the year and like during his recruitment and everything. That I think is easier to fix for Benny than it is the defensive issues um, that have played the rest of the Syracuse team. Uh, the fact that he is most likely at this point going to be sticking around for a bit. Um, because he has said multiple times online that, and on radio shows that he is not planning on entering the transfer portal at the end of the year. He's planning on sticking around uh, for Syracuse next year. Um, like, there's, I, there is, while it doesn't look great right now, he definitely has the athletic skill set to eventually get to be that offensive player that Syracuse has envisioned him to be offensively, and maybe not so much. But I do agree with your point, Andy, that there's definitely something that is not translating in practice to the fee, to the floor during games. Like he per, I think there's probably some point in practice where it's going really well in practice, but it's just not translating to actual games. Um, which is probably where that frustration is coming from for Bayheim. Um or, or it's just that practice is also going horribly wrong, which is equally just just leaking out onto the floor. Because both of those could be like the flummox type that you can say that Bayheim has been in some of these post game press conferences. Uh, yeah. Bayheim post game press conferences. They they used <laughs> to was... hold they used to hold such a wonder. And now it's just I was, he's so pissed off. I was all there the for I was there for the Bud Poliquin rant that he had in 2016 mm. oh. after Pittsburgh win. That was a legendary one. Uh, so good. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's the problem is we're like we've gone to depths where the rants just aren't making sense. Like sometimes he's saying things that you're like, I, <laughs> I don't know if that's what I saw on the court, but okay. Um, but here we are. I mean, I mean, that's the thing is that I, I, we're so far into the season. I don't think that we can expect reasonable changes in the key areas that matter. Um, what we like can wins? expect is that the yeah. wins, uh, defensive uh, efficiency. Uh, I think uh, defense, defense in general. <laughs> I think. Right. I think. I think the one thing that's kind of important to call out is that I forget. I think it's Ken Palm. Um, where the Orange are like a top 30 squad when it comes to offense and a bottom 300 squad when it comes to defense. And I understand that you can have one part of the floor that's better than the other. The discrepancy there is just far too large to make up, and we're clearly not making up any more ground at this point. Mm -hmm. So it really does become... And Kevin posted the article this week about it, where Bayheim really just kind of has to treat this year like a lab season, the way that we talked about Syracuse football in 2020 where it's at this point who fits well with who uh which players can potentially give you that x factor in a single game because running out the same lineup each week is not going to change anything at this point um i i don't necessarily know if there's going to be a consistent week-to-week -week answer to that but i do think that the jim Beheim only plays six players narrative might have to change by the end of the year because at some point in time we're going to drop to below 13. We're going to get 13, 14 losses on the table and finishing sub 500 is going to be guaranteed. And once that happens, I don't understand why at that point you're playing the top five guys for 37 minutes a night when you obviously need to be planning for the future. 
I just thought of the other one possibility and the 14 million possibilities on how this season turns around. Bam, turns to the camera, he puts up the one, and then off the bench comes Patty Casey. <laughs> yeah. Walk on magic. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, I, I think... Yeah. <laughs> I just say. no. I just have vivid memories of like Justin Thomas in the six overtime game, and like that was walk on magic. If we're resorting <laughs> to no offense to Patty Casey, but Patty Casey in the middle of a like thirteen loss season, Bra- it's a Braden Bayer, different... <laughs> Braden Bayer in twenty eighteen. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, this is. This has been fun. I'm glad we were able to make that somewhat interesting um, because. <laughs> well, yeah. speaking of interesting, I'm just going to say, let's look at the rest of the Q's men's schedule because yes. let's go. Let's go full beat ourselves up mode today. Uh, do, we also, do, do we also at some point want to talk about Jeff Goodman's comments earlier today? I don't. I think I we'll, let's let's hold those for next. Well, actually, I dove into it in the comments today, too. So, um. Why don't you guys enlighten me? Because I have no idea what you're talking about. You haven't about. heard? Oh, this is a good conversation. This, Steve, I'll so, let you take away that. I went to a brewery today. I wanted to have fun. Uh, <laughs> we were losers that stayed on Twitter. <laughs> so, so Field of 68, uh, Goodman, uh, what is it? Goodman. Um, God, who else is on there? Rob Doster, Rob Doster yeah. and uh, Gottlieb. Uh, their okay. After Dark segment. Uh, they posed, is it time for Bayheim to retire? With the statement, or the, the answer, yes. Uh, is it time to force him out? And I, I haven't seen the clip, but that's what they discussed today. Oh. So that went down. I mean, okay, without diving into the comment section and without diving into Twitter threads, what I'm going to assume is that there's a large par- portion of the Syracuse fan base that says that Beheim has earned the right to end things on his own terms. There is an equally loud, maybe not as large, but equally loud group that says that's not how college sports works anymore. Syracuse does not want to fall into the abyss of other programs that let their coaches do that and now don't make the tournament every year. Um which I would assume both points are actually pretty valid. Like when you think about there's never been a coach like James Arthur Bayheim. However, other coaches very similarly to him that have ended this badly have tanked their programs. Yeah. What I will say is the same argument that we had about senior Dino Babers this year. The Syracuse Athletic Department is not exactly the most cash flush uh, power in Power 5. And I would argue that getting a coach of Jim Beheim's quality at $2 million a year is probably 60% of what they'll have to pay the next guy. And even if you, so your options are promote from within to keep the savings and promote an unproven head coach, take over for a Hall of Famer coming off of a disastrous season and expect this new face to turn things around or send the program into oblivion. Or you have to open up the wallet to an extent that we're not sure that they can to hire a coach who we know can probably do it, but still has a chance to blow it because the roster doesn't actually have that much talent on it. Did I nail it or did I nail it? 
I think one of the things, um, I'm not sure one of the things that, um, well, well, I agree with all those, Andy, is the Dodge Finance thing is the big thing. I think one of the things that the, I haven't watched the full clip. I just saw like the, like Steve said, what the, what the tweet said. Uh, but, um, the big thing that I think some people have said, I think Kevin said this or someone else is that there was so much of a legacy behind Beheim. And I think it was Goodman actually in a quote tweet. There's so much of a legacy behind Beheim of him single-handedly making Syracuse relevant while football wasn't. Mm-hmm. That that mm-hmm. precedent is still there also that you really can't force out Beheim because of what he means, not just to the basketball program, but to the school in general as well. Which now, is one at of the, the same time, though, things. you're talking about a school who just just didn't force out a five-time national champion lacrosse coach. Yeah, but the thing, while I agree with that, lacrosse isn't at the same level nationally. No, but at Syracuse, it's pretty damn close. Yeah. Yes, and I get and I get that. That's the thing in basketball, though, is that it's more it's more nationally relevant, right? And that and that uh, that move won't send ripple waves through the to the national world. Yeah, um, not quite I, the same way that it did through the lacrosse world when that happened, and even in lacrosse people saw writing on the wall and yeah. most and some people and some people kind of also dismissed the fact that it was a force out by Syracuse. But tell me so, on the other end of this, if if you are looking at the Syracuse program over the last seven so years, is there not the writing on the wall? Can you not see yeah, that writing on the wall where the mediocre the mediocrity of the regular season being subverted from the the argument by the success in the postseason i think the big thing like in the differences between basketball and lacrosse is that in lacrosse the postseason success wasn't there right and while for syracuse and especially on a national scale with how big march madness is getting to the sweet 16 is such a big success even especially when you're such a low seed and that in that big of a field right that it that it kind of helps with the program visibility. See, um, I just see, I see Arizona post Lute Olson. I see Okie State mm-hmm. post Eddie Sutton. Like there, there was, and you know, those programs to a degree have rebounded from that. But like when both of those guys retired, it was just a drop off to nothingness for a good bit of time. And, and, I think counter was, and my counter to that is that Steve, I was too young or not born enough yet <laughs> to know what they're talking about. I mean, like, not to, not to make this conversation dark, but, like, the one thing that basketball does not have that lacrosse did have with the Gary Gates situation was that lacrosse had a legitimate legal student safety, not even scandal, legitimate uh, assault on another student that took place by one of the prominent members of the program that, again— I don't want to relitigate everything that happened there, but what was fed to the public was the head coach coming out and willingly keeping that player on the program, even after all the signs pointed to an assault taking place. Even though, like, I understand that if you dig into the situation, 
it seems as if there was a lot of legal machinations happening that did not allow Syracuse to be as aggressive as one may have hoped they would have been. That being said, like it, this is a student safety issue and the head coach was put out in front of the media to take, to fall on the sword for that. And while Bayheim has had his scandals, while Syracuse basketball has not been above reproach in any way, shape, or form under the Bayheim tenure, there has definitely been uh, issues that have popped up over time. During this particular period of Syracuse not being good, the program has been on its best behavior. And for all like all of the warts that we want to give Bayheim on the Fab Mello scandal and all the things that took place before then, since then the program has been clean. And I do think, based off of how we saw John Wildhack talk about Dino Babers during the COVID year, and how Wildhack's focus during the COVID times was that Babers kept the football program safe, he kept the football program running, he kept morale up. I do think that there's something to be said uh, that in Wildhack's position, while the on-the-court results might not be there, Bayheim's ability to kind of hold everything together behind the scenes on the basketball program and keep the basketball program out of the national spotlight when it comes to scandals does have a ton of weight into how Jim then gets to decide his legacy. And I do think it's also like really important to call out that when John Wildhag was a student at Syracuse, Jim Bayheim was the head basketball coach. Like we are, we are like this is not a situation where like the boss is like removed from the program or the boss is like this executive that comes in to clean it up. The boss at Syracuse is a Syracuse fan and has been a fan of Jim Beheim for most of Jim Beheim's tenure. And like I don't want to necessarily say that that means that Wild Hack is biased. I'm just simply pointing it out that if anybody is going to be cognizant of legacy of how the optics look to Syracuse fans and to Jim Beheim, it's going to be the dude who has bled orange his entire life and literally was a student when James Bay, when James Arthur was a, was a head coach here. Like, I don't think that we're going to get anything dramatic from Wild Hack. I think if we get something dramatic, it's going to be from Beheim. And, and Steve, to your point, you brought up some really good names. Like, how many of those guys, there's a couple that come to my mind, are coaches that just go, you know what? I'm just too tired for this shit. Like this is like at the end of, instead of having to be forced out, they voluntarily either behind the scenes or very publicly. were just like, I can't like losing sucks. Yeah. I don't know how to fix this and I'm just done. That was both of them was like, it just, the, the, the quality of program precipitously dropped at the end of their tenure. It was like, and very similar to what we're, you know, a, the the jury is still out on whether we're seeing this year again we're talking about this because we talked for an hour about Syracuse um <laughs> the like for both of them it was like fine 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 oh crap and it was like maybe a year maybe two years of oh crap and it's like all right well okay it's time to time to hang it up now so yeah. uh here we are potentially oh crap time to hang it up um Steve, I'm gonna. I'm and this, not gonna let me let me pref or post post face, not preface, but afterwards. Postus. Po- post <laughs> post 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 uh, Like Jim Beheim is a living legend. <laughs> it's yeah. not like anybody's trying to trash on Beheim here. Like he's done more for this program and more for this city than most people can even think about. 
but there has to be a time that the question is asked and here we are yeah there's also a time modern like we talk about it every week during football season we haven't talked about it as much in basketball like nil and the transfer portal have fundamentally changed the sport Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that jim doesn't want to learn the changes i'm just saying that the sport has changed and doing things the same old way is not always going to work and i think that that might be the question that's posed to jim of are you willing to change or do you want to keep running things the same way? And I think that that conversation actually sets the tone for whether or not he comes back or not, because if he's willing to change, maybe he gets a couple extra years because he wants a couple extra years. If he's not willing to change, maybe we get more of the, you get one more year, you have to do the farewell tour and we get, and I, I posted right. this in the Slack. Dude. I think it's very serious. If, if the team's going to be bad, they need to sell against something Selling against Jim Beheim's last game against Pitt, last game against Louisville, last game against X, Y, and Z is probably a better Bales tactic than come watch mediocre ACC basketball. Fair. Fair. Uh, Steve, do, uh, do you have the, the rest of the Syracuse men's basketball schedule up in front of you? Oh, boy. I just did, and I closed it out of – I know we're at Pitt I next. Do. I do, yeah. Christian, so, what, are, what are we looking at? <laughs> so, next couple of weeks, at Pitt next, and then at and then home versus Wake. At NC State, home Louisville. And then and, and then a weird stretch of at BC, at VT, and then versus BC. Hey, let's get our hopes up before we head into... <laughs> <laughs> Before we head into a meat grinder, because February 19th is BC, Saturday. Yep. The next Monday, home versus GT. Nope. A Wednesday, away at Notre Dame. Ugh. Home on Saturday, February 26th, Duke. And then Monday, at <laughs> Chapel Hill. And they have to be playing six February guys 19th, that entire week. <laughs> February nineteenth to twenty eighth. That is a, a that is a nine day stretch of playing five games. Yeah, and yes, BC and Georgia Tech are not good teams, but that's a lot of basketball in a short span of time. Of, that is a lot of the balls being basketed. Yeah, uh, man. Like I, again, the I, I said it, I've been saying it all season. The ACC stinks. We know this. But man, the way it, it, this kind of feels like the Syracuse football talks that we have, where it's not necessarily that the teams are tough, it's that the way that the schedule is set up is going the exact opposite way that Syracuse needs it to go in this time and place. <laughs> yeah, and in all honesty, when you look at the schedule, you have 12 games left. And like when you napkin math it out, you're looking like, easy just you know okay this should be a win you're looking at like five and seven yeah like pit bc vatech bc georgia tech but beyond that who are you guaranteed to beat maybe state but Not even that's, then that's a <laughs> that's, that's a yeah game. and it's oh. away so yeah Ugh. I was going to say, do we want to talk about the happy things or the or the sad things? Both. 
Uh, okay. We didn't, we we'll didn't go, do enough sad things. <laughs> I was going to say, we're going to go sad, and then we'll transition to happy. Um, we're going to pivot off of men's basketball. Oh, wait, it's halftime-ish. Um, I'm still getting used to this whole podcasting thing, which means that we get to talk about our wonderful friends at Home Field Apparel, official sponsors of the News Magician podcast. Uh, they make very comfy collegiate throwback apparel. Uh, Steve, if you're watching on the live cast, Steve is wearing a Tulane green wave shirt underneath a Bills, not Stefan Diggs jersey, but no. number 14 Bills jersey. Uh, it is Sammy Watkins. Oh, Steve just loves oh his number 14 God. wide oh, receivers. Boy. Love him. Uh, if Homefield made a jersey shirt with the number 14 and a Buffalo thing, Steve would buy it. Uh, but shout, out to, yeah, shout out to House Divided Pod also for absolutely destroying News Magician earlier this week. The Tulane Syracuse Crunch House Divided Bot. Mm. I want that on a home field t-shirt this week. <laughs> we would buy that. We would buy the crap out of that shirt. Absolutely. Um, if you didn't if you didn't see this week, uh their newest they're bringing back Big News Saturday, which is when they drop a new school every Saturday. This week it's Cincinnati, your college football playoff darlings that everybody was rooting for. Um, I'm going to buy the Cincinnati baseball t-shirt at some point in time because I like baseball and I like the University of Cincinnati. It's a school that I considered going to at some point in time. I uh, own the Akron Zips or uh, the UC Irvine Zot baseball shirt, so. <laughs> Let's go. The home, home, home field, field and mass- baseball shirts are a phenomenal combination. They are fantastic. Uh, make sure you head over to them. Check out their wonderful stuff and uh, check out the Syracuse collection there. We talked about the non-Syracuse collection because all of us have seen it, worn it. But this is your first show and you don't know what home field is. Go check it out. It's really great. They, ju- they just get vintage college sports. Um, and if you want some vintage college sports feel, turn to lacrosse where both men's and women's had multiple preseason All-Americans as things should be. Um, let's do the bad news first. Syracuse women had seven preseason All-Americans. That is not bad. One of them is out for the year. Christian, what happened? Unfortunately, Emma Ward, who was one of the best freshmen of the year last year, uh, stepped up so many times in attack, especially after Emily Harris, Chuck, and uh, Megan Tyrell went down with injuries. Um, God, I forgot that too. Oh yeah, my gosh. just all just injuries, 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 and then more injuries. And now we have another injury to the attackers uh, for women's lacrosse in Emma Ward, who again was just incredible as a freshman last year, um, and and again, unfortunately, out for the year with a lower leg injury, kind of like again as the other two, and Harris Chuck and uh, Megan Carney, not Megan Tyrell, sorry, Megan Carney also. Uh, uh, suffered both lower leg injuries last year, and now it's Ward with a lower leg injury last year. Yeah. This year, Ward um, had uh, 43 goals, which was third on the team, um, 30 assists, which was second on the team. Uh, so that's 73 points, also second on the team last year. Um, so very good. She was an impact player all, inside all Amer- inside across. Um, all-American honorable mention. Unfortunately, again, out for the year. Big loss because you never want to lose that much talent, um, especially when you're trying to gun for a national title once yeah. again. Now, that said, the amount of talent on this team, 
the aforementioned Emma Ward, as well as Emma Terrell and Megan Carney, were named honorable mention All Americans. Yeah, <laughs> that's three that for for those counting at home. That's three honorable mention All Americans, and then the first and second team honorees. Again, national All American, best in the country. Uh, Sam Swart, Sarah Cooper, Megan Terrell, and Emily Harshchuk. Um Not too shabby. I mean, we played last year pretty darn solid without two of them, uh, including, you know, the first-team honoree, Emily Harshchuk, and one of the... Uh, Megan, the, I was back yeah. in Carney. Megan Carney, <laughs> yep. I was, I was going to say one of the Megans, but... Yes. Um, <laughs> it's so confusing yeah. because you have, you, have two, you have two Megans and two Carneys. Which just makes right. things incredible. And then you have two Emmas and, and Tyrell, and yeah, yeah, you have two Tyrells. Yeah, you know. it's 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 confu- it's confusing. But yeah, long story short, they're all good. Harris right. Chuck, Ty- Harris Chuck, Mac and Tyrell, and Sarah Cooper were all first team All Americans, also. So, ha. Yeah, and, <laughs> the and team is very- Sam Swart was a lowly second team All American. <laughs> oh, how darn! You're only in the tier of. Better than most everybody else in the entire country. You're only the 16th best person in the country. Sorry. Um, um, the women's so yeah. lacrosse team is going to be so good this year. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the men's team should also be pretty good. They had four preseason All-Americans. None of them are hurt as of yet. Um, obviously, oh, as we, uh, listen, I'm not trying to jinx it. I'm just saying injuries happen, particularly to Syracuse, because it's not fair. Um, That's the truth. The four, uh, like this, this is a tough thing about the men's lacrosse side is that obviously the talent is more evenly distributed throughout the country and the conference. Um, the four preseason All Americans for Syracuse: redshirt junior Tucker Dordovich, he earned third team; senior Brandon Curry, redshirt senior Brent, Brett Kennedy, and sophomore Owen Hills were named honorable mention selections. Um, the fan account. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Still, I'm still, I'm still team Owen Hills. So. Yeah. The. They're they're pretty good. Uh, the team's pretty good overall. Obviously, though, Christian, as we talked about last week, um, the <laughs> ACC is just absolutely stacked in lacrosse. So while the me- the men's team is going to have to do some work in order to to kind of uh, fight their way up in there, when does the season start? Because I know it's coming sooner than I want to believe. <laughs> um, it's coming up pretty closely. I was just counting how many players uh, Syracuse play on the first team. Um, in inside of America, inside lacrosse's all American preseason pool, and I think it was six. Um, which, <laughs> yay! Uh, Chris Gray, Pat Kavanaugh, uh, we all know what Pat Kavanaugh did to Syracuse last year. Um, mm-hmm. it could be considered R rated. Um, Carter Mahar, uh, Roman Pugdui for North Carolina and Maryland, and then Brett McCarr for Maryland as well. So I think that's five, actually. Yeah, five. I don't know six because also Colin Schoenberg. Oh yeah, the entire first team attack for inside uh, lacrosse's All American preseason team is all ACC. Chris Gray, Connor, Connor Schoenberger, and Pat Kavanaugh. <laughs> okay, so um, the men's kickoff are have opening faced off on February twelfth against Holy Cross, um, and then it doesn't get easier because next week is Maryland. <laughs> Oh, you know, that team. Uh, that team. <laughs> so, yay. 
So um, Mar- Marilyn, Marilyn, who has the honor of having former Syracuse player Logan Wisnowskis as their star attacker. Um, Logan Wisnowskis was a freshman at Syracuse before transferring to Maryland. He is originally from Maryland, from the all quaint Damatha High School. Um, I believe he's from Damatha, um, which is one of the better programs in Maryland. Um, and he's on the second team um, and will be leading that Maryland attack. Yay. This sounds like uh, going to be a tough schedule, as per usual. No, really, what makes you say? Uh, you know, you know who also has a tough schedule? The Syracuse men's football team. And I don't uh, think people realize that yet. <laughs> we will dive into it at another time and uh, time and place because we are going to pivot to happy conversations. We are being happy because you know why? Syracuse football recruiting is doing some good stuff. Uh, this week, we had a transfer come into the program. Wide receiver C.J. Hayes transfers in from Michigan State. Hayes uh, is a wide receiver converted to safety who's looking to convert back to wide receiver. He only has one year of eligibility left. Um, so the assumption is that he is going to be the classic Dino Babers wide receiver transfer come in and, and start immediately. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Hayes, I believe, is oh, I gotta look up his stats again, but I believe he's six four. Six three. Um, I think he's six two. Six two. Uh, yeah. he's got he's got a little bit of height to him. He seems like a tradition more of an outside guy than a slot guy, which makes sense given where Syracuse's roster is sitting at the moment. Um, but it's an interesting get. He's a big body. Uh six two two oh five. Yeah, he looks like he has what we're looking for. Uh, Steve, I know that you were really interested in this kind of move. If he's going to play wide receiver, it makes some sense, but also safety doesn't, it doesn't hurt to have some safety depth on that side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, he, if he had experience shifting to safety, um, and per Michigan state's, uh, website, I guess their bio, uh, he played only on special teams, uh, or primarily yeah, on special I was gonna teams. Make, I was going to make that caveat. Like, I don't think yeah. he took it the fact to snap. I think he just played on special teams as a safety. So that's the thing is, like, he wasn't a good enough wideout to stick at Michigan State as a wideout and then switch to safety and didn't play a ton of safety. He seems to be an athlete to be able to, you know, make this maneuver. Uh, the question will be what Syracuse's yet-to-be-hired uh, wideouts coach will be able to make of it. Um, I, I'm never going to turn down especially uh, a grad student transfer from a Big Ten school. Um, uh, the last one that did that uh, did pretty well. <laughs> Fair. Uh, he happens to be from the same school, actually, as well, that C.J. Hayes transferred from as well. So, so you know, that worked out pretty well. Um yeah. So yeah, I I mean, it seems like a, a position that we need depth in is something that uh, he's going to fill. Um, personally, if Damian Alford and company don't overproduce a six two two zero five transfer that was playing safety last year, I think we may have other problems. Um, I would like to see him in the rotation. But I don't. If he ends up being our primary threat, either Michigan State missed something completely, or we're in a lot different shape than we thought we were at wideout. Yeah, I think I think what we're 
really looking at is that a lot of the more veteran guys are are fighting for the same kind of slot role. Like um we we know what um I don't know if Sherrod Johnson has like he's listed as a redshirt junior on the team. I'm oh, no, he's he's playing at Florida International, so that's not he's, gonna he's, help. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say he transferred. We got Devon <laughs> yeah, we got Devon Cooper who is a redshirt he's, senior, so his eligibility no, he's is out. out. He's yep. out. Uh so we're looking at Courtney Jackson. Um Nate Wellington. <laughs> Walk on. Yeah. Uh we are looking at Damian Alford. Outside. Um outside. Good. Yep. We're looking at Umari Hatcher. Outside. Good. Who's listed at 6'3, but 170 pounds. Soaking up with a second block Titan. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, you can't make me laugh that hard while I'm writing something. Uh, we've got Anthony Queeley, naturally. Outside. Yeah. And then did Kendall Long transfer? Or is he still here? Who is that guy? I think he's a walk-on of some sort. Yeah. yeah. Sounds and, like a walk-on. And then Ethan Fish. So uh, Trevor walk-on. Pena has obviously gone. Uh, yeah. Is Trevor Pena gone? Did he enter the portal? I don't uh, believe so. I think no, it was who injured. was. No, you're thinking no, of. There- uh, uh, running back. Yep. Um, yep. I'm thinking of the running back. Not Cooper Lutz. Yes. Cooper the Lutz, opposite. Yes. The so we... opposite. Trevor Pena. Pena yep, was exactly. the wideout that could play running back, and he was the running back that could play wideout. <laughs> there yeah. we go. Now you get why they're stuck in my head. Uh, he's six foot and inside slot guy. So moral of the yeah. story is that like I'm going through. We got we've got a lot of slot guys. We do not have a ton of outside guys, and I would understand yeah. the idea of bringing in somebody with experience just to say this is the measuring stick for the freshman. Like, if a freshman is better than him, great. Let's play the freshman. Who are the freshmen? Around a Gaston and Javante Williams are not this incoming freshman class you're talking. Yeah, that's, yeah, 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 that's yeah the incoming okay. freshman is... Yeah. I was going to say, around yeah. a Gaston and Javante Williams, I'm still pretty high on, too, so yeah. we'll see. Well, the, those, guys, those guys look pretty good. Uh, so your incoming class, excuse me, everyone, is uh, Donovan Brown, um, who actually... Not a bad rating, 85 on... Um, on twenty four seven, yeah. And is that it? Cornell is Cornell Perry. No, Cornell Perry is playing DB. D back. Did Dom yeah. Foster come in as a DB as well? I think he did. So yeah, we are playing with. We have one wide receiver coming in from the recruiting class. Um, yeah. So far. Um, yeah. So yeah. we'll see where that goes. Yeah. The good news is uh, there is one more recruit we should talk about. We have a top two announcement coming from uh, Elijah Clark, who is a. Oh, really? Yes. Um, He tweeted that out uh, yesterday that the top two announcement is coming soon. For those that don't know, Clark is a um, friend of Deuce Chestnuts, which is really the point that you that why Syracuse fans are. Uh, freaking out but he is a four-star defensive back um who is looking to leave the Rutgers program it is widely expected that the final two will be between Louisville and Syracuse uh I think it could be really I think the deuce angle is not to be underplayed I think it's really interesting and I I think it's important to say that he's they're not just friends they were high school teammates right so and yeah now, do we know, is Clark, uh, I mean, on Rutgers' website, he's listed as a DB. Is he a safety or a corner? I am honestly not sure. Um, 
Let's that see would be, here. There's a there's a very big difference between coming in and sitting behind Garrett for a year or coming in and being an immediate contributor at safety. He is just listed as a DB. Let me see if I can pull up some game notes and see if he um, was on yeah. a TD anywhere. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, while you talk uh, about that, I think one of, one of the interesting 24-7 has him listed as a cornerback, so. That could be good. Okay, so this could be a, hey, come on in and sit behind and learn from Garrett for a year, and then when he's gone to the NFL, you would hang out. just run everything. Right. It could also be like, not to not to get too conspiracy theory here, but what if like Garrett's obviously a good corner, um, but we obviously saw him take a step back this year. Garrett's got a big body. What if they're looking to turn Garrett into a safety rover type? Yeah, I was gonna yeah, that could, like not not. The rover, yeah. like Garrett as a rover, could be very, very interesting. Yeah, like I'm not inside, necessarily. And for from the NFL standpoint, more of an inside corner. Um, I, mm. I I could see that. Like that's that's not a bad look, especially yeah. if Tommy um, White shifts to more of using that rover as an inside corner, or uh, if he has a couple of tweaks in his system as to what he wants to see him as. That could really be a viable viable option. Is is that new the the new fangled. Uh, you know, nickel package inside corner. Yeah, I, I just want to point out that like none of that is. I I am not sourcing that story. I am not like that is just literally just a random thought that popped into my head. But based off of the players that are on the roster, based off of the talent that they're looking to recruit, there's not an obvious plug and play there. And and Steve, you know, you and I have talked about this forever and ever and ever since before even Christian got on the show. Like Syracuse has to get the best eleven onto the field at all times. And it's up to the coaching staff to figure out what that alignment with the best 11 is. Right. And that seems like potentially an interesting fit to make that happen. Hmm. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, just a compelling argument. I didn't see Clark on a too deep, so... Um... It's so probably we'll why just, he's looking to transfer. Yeah, so we'll probably so we'll probably assume that he is a cornerback, uh, like, like yeah. as was previously said. Either way, it's nice to see Syracuse going after big time transfers and being in the mix for them. Um, they've obviously done a nice job of hitting the portal since saying that they weren't going to hit the portal with three weeks left to go in the season. <laughs> it's, so. it's Nick Mon- It's Nick Monroe just going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, we needed guys. Okay, fine. fine. I guess I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Nick Monroe, Thanos, I'll do it myself. There's the last Marvel reference mm-hmm. of the day. The uh um I I'm just I'm sitting in awe of Josh Allen's arm. Sorry. Uh is he when, doing when Josh Allen things again? Yeah, when we're when we're done with this thing, just look up the last pass he threw and it's yeah. I'm, it'll I'm it'll be all in. over things. I'm sitting in awe when someone at some in one of the autos trying to slide down the uh, sled down the uh, Kraus Hill right now. Mm. Oh yeah, don't <laughs> have, do that. Have, have you ever that. have you ever done that in the auto costume, Andy? I have never done that in the auto costume. I will say that uh, when my family came to visit me my senior year, um, we watched somebody slide down the Kraus Hill wearing a Syracuse snuggie expecting them to be wearing clothes underneath the snuggie and oh no not. oh no. Oh, 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 oh. so your family got the whole hey how do you do oh they uh they they learned the syracuse party score reputation very quickly oh ain't that the truth there you go uh, 
Yeah. So on that note, uh, <laughs> let's let uh, Steve get back to Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things. Uh, one more and... one more happy note we do want to talk about. Oh. Uh, DeAndre Kerr. Well, yes. So, oh, so sad, yes. sad note first. Things. Yep. Sad note first. DeAndre Kerr is no longer with the program. He was officially signed with TFC2 uh, or with TFC, likely with TFC2 as a homegrown player. Um, mm-hmm. So unfortunately, Mac's streak of draft picks ends strictly on the technicality that Kerr wasn't eligible for the draft because he wasn't Generation Adidas. So yeah. Toronto bypassed that whole thing and just signed him as a homegrown. Um, still awesome that they sent another person to the league. Uh, sucks for the program that they're losing their, you know, easily most prolific attacker. Um, that said, they did. We, this is where Chi-Chi comes in handy. Yeah, yeah. Getting getting all your all your Paganos belong to us. Uh, mm-hmm. Will be uh, coming in handy this year. Bring mm-hmm. FM slightly west and put them up on the hill, and <laughs> yeah, we'll be good. The um, but yeah, uh, beyond that, so congrats to DeAndre Kerr for signing with Toronto. Uh, awesome for him to go back home and start his professional career. Um, the other thing would be that Syracuse has officially signed, um, I cannot pick up his name, the reigning NJCAA Player of the Year. Uh, in, Lorenzo Pacelli. Aha, uh-huh, that would be his name because Christian's better at notes than I am. Um, <laughs> so he is the, uh, the reigning Juco Player of the Year. And should be joining uh, from Richland, Richland College, not Richmond. Uh, very different, but um, yeah, we'll we'll see him coming into the Orange program. So, uh, you know, we lose one, we gain one, and uh, we'll see where it all leads us as we get into the Mac uh, Mac Mac yeah. talk, and, our, uh, our version Ju- of Maction, if you will. <laughs> at Juco this <laughs> at Juco this year, uh, seventeen games for Baselli and twenty-one goals. Not bad. So the last time we had a very prolific Juco come in um, was Benny Polk. And some people, if you follow Syracuse men's soccer, uh, should, you know, enjoy the fact that he came from a couple miles down the road at at, uh, HCCC and came here and did very good things in a very good year for Syracuse soccer. Hopefully, Baselli does the same thing. The unfortunate thing for Andy Andy is that Polk was drafted to the Portland Timbers. I know. I know. It's okay. I wish all Syracuse players success. It's great. Whatever. I got to play. Instead of watching the Duke game live yesterday, I got to play footy wearing my long sleeve Seattle Sounders jersey that I just bought. It made me very happy. That's where I'm going to end the show. Nice. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody else who's listening, thank you so much. Uh, we really do appreciate the support as we transition into being the new official podcast people. For those that are watching the live stream, thanks for spending some time having us as your second or third screen option to this amazing NFL game that we're going to let Steve get back to. Uh, if we're and... second or third screen, that's an honor. <laughs> I know. Listen, I'm just assuming that we're on one of the screens. Uh, make sure that if you are watching live, you uh, follow us on Twitch, you subscribe to our channel, make sure that uh, you can keep up to date with all the great things that we're doing. If you are uh, listening to us on one of your favorite podcast platforms, whichever it may be, uh, like, subscribe, make sure you give us a five-star rating. That's the good stuff that uh, keeps us going. And if you are 
re- just watching us on the News Magician uh, website, thank you for coming to the site. We really appreciate it. We'll have lots of great content coming this week, not just around basketball. I need to write my football quarterback EPA article that uh, Kevin told me to write last week. So there will be football oh, talk to, on the site this week, I to, too. I have to decide what I'm writing for those also. Yeah. <laughs> football talk in the middle of January. Who Here else wants go. it? Here we go. Uh, go Bills. Go Orange. <laughs> go Orange. Go Orange.